Tonight we're going to start a new series on what you see is what you get. I'm sure we've heard that before, but as we think of that, I just want us, before we go into our PowerPoint, to just think of this for a second. Jesus seemed to make everything pretty simple. When it comes to what following him would be all about love, God and love others as you love yourself. But the simple command gets a lot more complicated when we don't see God, ourselves, and others as we should. When we don't see rightly, we don't live rightly. So how do we fix our broken view? How do we start living in a way that reflects Jesus' intentions for our lives and see the world the way we should? What we see is what we get. So how do we see the right way? And this is going to be the concept of the next couple of weeks that we're going to look at. How do we see God? How does God see us? How do we see others? Because I think so many times we miss it. We miss it completely because I think that we think that, you know what, we're all by ourselves. We think sometimes that I could do life by myself. I don't need nobody else. I don't need God. I can do whatever I want. As we think of this first week, simple. It's simple. We get complicated. We, we make things more complicated than they are. But let's put it this way. Sometimes I get the feeling that we make Christianity complicated. How many of you think that way? That we make Christianity complicated? Anyone feel that way? That we make it this big thing that we always think, well, Christianity is just this big list of rules. I have to do all these things, and you know what? It's no fun. How many of you ever heard that Christian life is a boring life? Anyone ever heard that? Yes. Is it a hard life? Yes. Is it an easy life? Yes. So you may be wondering, well, how is it hard and easy? Well, it's hard because we ought to be different in this world. But it's easy because we have a relationship with God that we can understand who is a God that is better than anything that we could ever think about. How many of you ever had your father disappoint you? Anyone ever been there, had your father disappoint you? I think um, we probably all did at one point. But God is our Heavenly Father. The one that's always there for us. One day a group of people who knew a lot about God's rules and expectations had a question for Jesus. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Here it is. They were trying to stumble Jesus. They were trying to think, well, what are we going to ask him? What is he going to say is the greatest law and commandment? And I think this is how we sometimes think. We think of the big rules, the Ten Commandments. You ever thought of the Ten Commandments for a second and, and really wondered, you know, okay, I mean, those are just real rules. Like, there's nothing spectacular to think, oh, um, I can't live up to that. Because I think, if we're all, all honest in this room, nobody will say, yes, I want to go murder somebody. You know, nobody wakes up and says, I want to go steal. No one said, I want to go commit adultery. You know what I think is the hardest one above all of them? It's that we make no other gods before our God. And that's what this is talking about. Now, this, is the, this is how Jesus replied. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what, that's what it all sums up into. Love. What, what is it? How does it go? You see, I know we use this thing sometimes called joy. 
And we say, Jesus first, others, then yourself. But how many of us really think that way? How many of us really think to put, number one, Jesus first, but then to put others before yourself? That's a hard thing to do, right? Because you know why? We are people who want what I want. If I'm not happy, no one else can be happy. Anyone ever met a person like that where they'll make your life miserable because they ain't happy? But yeah, people sometimes want to make your life miserable because they're not happy. And this is what the whole thing sums up. Basically, we can put it this way. Love the Lord with everything. Love your Lord with all everything that you have. Don't hold nothing back. Give Him everything. That's how Jesus replied. And then He said, He didn't stop there because He didn't want just them to look at Him. But He says what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love others. Put others before yourself. That's hard to do. Because we're stubborn people. We want our own way or the highway. We don't want to make other people happy. If I'm not happy, you're not going to be happy. With one major, monumental, life-altering, history-change verb, Jesus made it very simple. Love. Love. Love made everything different. What is love? What is love? If somebody had to ask you what is love, what is love? Hmm? Love can be defined, okay. Love is a verb, though, right? Love is an action. We're getting a little, you know, English lesson here. I wasn't good in English, so y'all got to help me out. But I know nouns are a person, a place, or a thing. Or an idea, yes. Don't forget your idea. What is a verb? An action. It takes an effort to love someone. Let me ask a question. Have you ever met someone who's hard to love? <laughs> Anyone ever met someone that's very hard to love? Yeah, I'm probably hard to love, right? Let me tell you something. You don't have to like everybody, but you've got to love them. Does that make any sense to you? I may not like you, Tariq. I'm only joking, Tariq. You're my boy. I didn't say that because you're right there. But I got to love him. We have to love one another. There are people who are going to get on your last nerve. But you still got to love them. Some of you have a baby brother or sister. They get on your nerves. But guess what? You got to love them. Love changed the world. For some of us, the idea of God we have in mind, it isn't that simple. With God, you see what you get. So loving Him can be difficult if we don't have the right view of Him to start with. You see, we get the right view of God before we think. You see, we think God is just a a person that wants to set rules and regulations. And yes, God is a just God as well. He will punish you for the things that you do. But let's not forget that God is a loving God. He loved us so much, and this is probably the verse that we all first learned, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave us His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We have heard that over and over again. But do you understand that what that did? He took His only Son. 
to die for us so that we could have eternal life. That's love. So what's the first step in being people who follow the greatest commandment? How do we begin to see what God, the right way, and then love him for who he is and not just what we think he is? And tonight's the main point is this. God is a loving God, Father. He is a loving Father. You see, I wanted you to think of your Father because like I said, our fathers do let us down at times. For some of us, our Father is going to pass away before we even know, before we even get older. Some of you in this room may say to yourself, you know what? My father isn't even there. He's not a part of my life. I don't have anything to do with my father. And that's why for some people, they have a bad concept when you say God is the father. Because they look at their earthly father and say, you know, I don't want to look at my earthly like God as a father because my earthly father has let me down so much. But he's the heavenly father. He loved us. He loves us even when we mess up. When we are, don't want nothing to do with God, he loved us. And this isn't in our text for tonight, but I'm just thinking of Romans chapter 3. And God said that there's none good, no, not one. He loved us, and it even says in Romans chapter 3, it says, we didn't even seek after God. We wanted nothing to do with God. Absolutely nothing to do with him. That's what man was. But God changed all of that. He changed it. How many of you remember the people called the Israelites? Anyone remember the Israelites? What comes to your mind when you think of the Israelites? Complainers, right? You think of complaining people, right? The Jews, who were they? They were what? God's what? Chosen people. They were the elite. They were the people that were supposed to, you know, they were, they were tight with God. They were his boys. They were his chosen people. But what they always do, they complained. They complained. We know as we think of the Israelites all through Scripture, they, all they did is God would say, here, I'm going to provide this for you. They had all the food they wanted. Then they got tired of food and they complained. Then God says, I'm going to show you something else. Then what happened? They complained. God took them out of the wilderness. We can complain. You brought us out here to die, God? This is what you did? You brought us out of Egypt just to die? They complained. But guess what? You see us in this room tonight? We just like them. We complain. But God, why you did this? God, why me? Why does that happen to me? Why does it happen to him over there? You know what he did. You know I'm trying to live for you, God. I'm trying to be like you. But guess what? You allow this to come into my life. But he's a loving father. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 1 to 3. And we want to focus on, on verse 3. But let's first look at the whole... You know, as we think of Israel and we think of all that's going on here. It says, at that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they shall be my people. 
Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness when Israel sought for rest. But listen to verse 3. The Lord appeared to him from far away, and I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Think of that verse for a second, the third one. The Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with what? An everlasting. Can you define everlasting? It goes on forever and ever and ever. You know, we used to try to play this game. I got you back infinity, you know. I, you know, I got you double infinity. And, you know, you kept on going and you'd be like, what's infinity? It's a number that goes on and on. Guess what? God's love is forever. It ain't no... It ain't no Defining that. It's everlasting. It goes on forever. And what does it also say? It says this. I have continued my faithfulness to you. Here he's talking to Israel. The same people that kept on complaining. And I want us to think of this even as it applies to us. Because yes, I know it's written to the Israelites. I know it's written written to these clans. But guess what? We can look at ourselves. We can look at our lives and think to ourselves, God, have I been faithful to you? Do I do my quiet time, my devotions all the time that I should? How many times have I put the TV before you? How many times have I put my computer before you? How many times have I put my work before you? You ever realize and sat down and think of how much things we put before God? Plenty. Almost everything comes before God in most cases. Let me ask a question. How many of you have a favorite TV program that you have to watch every week? Anyone there? You have a favorite TV program that you have to watch? Nobody? So there's no one out in history. What's your favorite show? Oh, you don't, you don't want to say publicly? That's a bad show, then you shouldn't watch it. If you can't say it publicly, you know. But think about it. There are some people today that they just have to be home at a certain time because they have to watch their TV program. Super Bowl? I don't think the Winter Olympics. We ain't that. And the Bombers, I, I haven't, I can tell you, I haven't watched, I have, if I have watched an hour of the Winter Olympics, I'm doing good. I haven't watched an hour of the Winter Olympics. The whole time it's been on. But there are some people that no matter what they're doing in life, they got to stop to get in front of a TV to watch that TV program. And I know some of you think in your mind, Guess what? We're more advanced now. We got DVR. We could record it and watch it whenever we want. You know, yeah, but you still have to record it. You know? But guess what? Even though me and you in our lives, we put all these things before God, He's still faithful to us. He still loves us with that everlasting love. Now, does that give us an excuse to say, well, you know what? I'm going to do what I want because God's going to love me anyway. No, that's not. If you have that type of attitude, you need to really check your life and say, guess what? Am I saved? Because as a believer, you are to strive to be like Christ. You are to want to do and to put God first. 
But too many times we allow other things to come into our lives. In 1 John 4, 8, it says this, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You see, if we say we are Christian, if we say we love God, how can I say I don't love my brother or sister? How can I say I don't love you because you are made in the same image that I am? Like I said, there are some people who are hard to love. Guess what? You might be hard to love. But guess what? As a believer, we are to show love. Why? It says in 1 John 4.19, we love because what? He first loved us. As we think of this Heavenly Father, as we think of this loving Father, I want us to recognize tonight that look, you did absolutely nothing to deserve the love of God. You did nothing. If you really sit and think of you as humanity, what did we do? We messed up. It starts at the beginning. We what? Sinned. And I know all the guys in this room, you're all thinking, it was that woman. Even Adam said, God, you gave me this woman. He blamed the woman. But guess what? Adam could have stopped her. Because guess what? Adam was right there. If you read that part of the scripture, you notice something that Adam was right there watching her. He could have stopped her. You know like how, um, I don't know if y'all do, but I remember in school, you thought you would be cool sometimes, and you'd give someone some food, and then you know what you'd end up doing sometimes? Knock it out of their hand. Anyone ever done that? You knock someone's food out of their hand and run them hot? Yeah. That's what, that's what Adam should have done to Eve. Knock it out of hand and say, don't do it. God said, I mean, think about that for a second. Let's go right back to the beginning and think of it for a second. At creation. They could have ate anything in the garden. Anything they could have eaten. And I'm telling you now, they had the perfect food back then. And I know I'm not a vegetable person. I don't like fruits and vegetables. But guess what? Even back then, they loved them. They were the perfect fruit and vegetables. But God said, look, don't eat that one tree. And what ended up happening? They had to go to the one tree. The one tree. Isn't that like me and you? We had the liberty to do a lot of things, but we shouldn't do this one thing, but we have to do it. You know that thing says, don't touch because caution is hot. What we could do? But how hot that is? Let me see. You know? And what about we burn ourselves? Have I ever told you all a joke? Uh, not a joke, but what my brother did to me when 